Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Letterman Row. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to buyersauto.com and check out their selection of new and used vehicles in central Ohio and from anywhere else because the internet is awesome. Today, myself, Andrew Ellis, and Zach Carpenter will talk about all things Ohio State football recruiting related, including the upcoming top three list for Xavier Wampa. Uh, whether or not the Buckeyes need a new linebacker recruit in the class of 2022 and more. So let's get to it. Welcome, my boys, Andrew, Zach, talking stuff. We're talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting. Uh, you know, guys, it seems like we're entering this little stretch where there's a lot of key visits coming up for guys that the Buckeyes have been recruiting a long time. Notre Dame Cincinnati is going to be a huge spot this weekend. We'll talk about that later this week, but um, you know, one guy that has been waiting sort of to get back to Ohio State and Notre Dame is Xavier Wampa, who is this week, Zach, uh, is going to be dropping a top three schools list. You went and saw him last week. I think you probably qualified uh, to at least kickstart us off talking about who you think those three are going to be. I think we're all in agreement that right now uh, there are three standing out, but you can dive into those from from the visit you made to Iowa last week. Yeah, 22 hours total in the car driving to Iowa and back. It was a little, little brutal, but worth it in the end because uh, got some good stuff over there. Xavier um, talked about, I mean, that, so that was on, on uh, Wednesday that I saw him, and he had talked about uh, potentially dropping a top three uh, in, the, in the near future, and, um, and it, it was pretty obvious. If you read my stuff over, over at Laird Monroe um, or the story or the – 
the message board stuff that I posted, it's probably pretty easy to come to a conclusion on what, what those three are. Um, and I, I think it's pretty, it's very, very easy to say that it's going to be Ohio State, Notre Dame, Iowa. I feel pretty comfortable saying it's going to be those three and his top three, final three, however you want to label it. Uh, he, he did tell me Texas A&M, I know up to like a month or two ago, Texas A&M was one of those that I think we all thought was in that top three, top four range. Um, and he told me, no, he's not considering Texas A&M anymore. The only other one that he was uh, considering was, was LSU. And um, a lot of that was he, he was trying to, he, he wanted to set up a visit there uh, to LSU to, to kind of see, um, kind of, kind of uh, maybe go and see if that might be an option. But uh, clearly I think, with that, uh, with this top three list coming out, he has those three visits scheduled. He has an official visit to Iowa scheduled for October, October 9th. Um, and uh, he has an uh, unofficial visit scheduled for Notre Dame for when they play USC on the 23rd. And then uh, his unofficial visit to, to Ohio State for the Penn State game. So when you, when you say I'm dropping the top three and you only have three visits scheduled, it's pretty clear um, the old moniker of what watch what recruits do and not what they say. I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to be those three. And um, I, I, I could ramble on here because uh, I have more to say, but um, with, with uh, I think one of the biggest things that he wants to see is sort of the development plan that that's in place for, for each of those three schools. And, um, and at, at Ohio state, it, it's sort of that Ronnie Hickman, that Ronnie Hickman role that they want. They, all three schools are kind of, uh, recruiting him for a very similar position at Iowa. It's that, that uh, he called it the cash position, which is hybrid linebacker safety at Notre Dame. They wanted to be, wanted to be the next Kyle Hamilton and Ohio State, the Ronnie Hickman bullet role. Yeah, um, they're all kind of the same, aren't yeah. they? I mean, those, those yeah. three positions are all very similar, aside from Ronnie Hickman and, and uh, you know, the kid Kyle Hamilton even wear the same number. I don't know if Xavier Wampa's forced to wear number 14 at the next level, but, I mean, you never know. Um, you know, but when you look at these schools, uh, is any list of schools, Andrew, in your mind, like, is it really the final three if he doesn't commit soon thereafter? Because you know LSU is going to keep pushing for a visit. You know A&M, where he has the family members down in, the, in that area, are going to try to keep wiggling in. Do you see this, and, and I know you've never spoken to Xavier directly, but do you see this as, like, these visits happen three out of four weekends and then a decision early November? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the timeline that I see. I I do think it's down to those three schools. I had a, uh, I'm kind of friends with a, with a Hawkeye fan kind of randomly. And he suggested some of their sides saying that they're not even sure if Ohio state's going to be one of those three schools. And I know each one of us kind of disagree with that, but um, I do think it's going to come down to those three schools. I think with the way Kyle Hamilton's playing, you got to think that's going to kind of catch his attention as far as Notre Dame goes. And then just the Iowa defense in general has been lights out all season. So Iowa has led the Big Ten in interceptions like each of the last five years or something. I mean, that defense is I don't want to ball hawkish. You know, I mean, I know they're the Hawkeyes. I feel bad using that pun, but like they, they they're, are, they're aggressive. Five. Yeah, I mean, they're aggressive. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's what they're known for. Yeah. I mean, Iowa's defense is amazing. I mean, you think back to when they upset Ohio State several years back and just I don't remember that. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. But. Um, I, I can understand why Iowa's making a push right now. Some people have suggested that Iowa leads right now, and he just visited there. So coming off of that visit, if they do lead, then props to props to Kirk Ferentz and those guys, but he's going to get back to Ohio State. And I think we all still 
feel relatively good about where Ohio State stands. Zach, do you think this is a situation where the, the post-visit high, the post-visit glow, he did see Iowa not just once but twice this month. He also saw him when they played at, at Iowa State. And obviously they're the home team. We've talked before about how maybe they are pushing uh, the opportunities with name, image, and likeness a bit more, you know, as a hometown hero type. Do you think that this momentum, and again, I'm asking you because you, you're probably more qualified to speak on it since you talked to him in person last week. Do you think this momentum is predicated on that, those couple visits and just like, hey, this is the recency bias or, um, or has it been like just a slow burn for Iowa that's now finally starting to catch? I think it very much be the slow burn because I, I just don't see with, with his personality. I don't really I see him as a pretty level headed, level headed kind of player, kind of person. I mean, he's waited this long. He's been very patient. He, he was adamant that he wanted to want to get over for visits before he came to any sort of um, final decision. Um, I, I mean, they've been recruiting him. I think he was their first offer, if I'm not mistaken, at least one of the first. So they've been steadily. Uh, um, prioritizing him for the longest time. And I, I mean, it, it'll be like, I think it's third visit um, to Iowa, uh, if not more, just with, with the, with the short distance uh, over from basically the Des Moines area that, that he lives in. Uh, I mean, like, like you guys are saying there, the position that he could play at Iowa. I mean, all three of these positions fit his skill set perfectly the Iowa one, um, I'm doing a story, sort of a sort of a breakdown, Ronnie Hickman, Kyle Hamilton, and uh, Dane Belton are the three guys that are sort of the coaching staffs of each one um, are saying, own in on this guy, uh, like watch him for the, sort of the vision we have for you. And I just want to say, watching Kyle Hamilton, I, I, like who wouldn't want to fill that role when they're telling you Marcus Freeman is pitching is like, we want you to be the next Kyle Hamilton. He's flying all over. He's he's used in blitzes. I mean, but isn't this a situation where, like, okay, so Ohio State, right? For year for the couple of years after Malik Hooker finished his career at Ohio State, every conversation with every safety was, "You're going to be the next Malik Hooker." But then, don't you have to like be Malik Hooker to be that guy? I mean, I, I know that Xavier Wampa is obviously a, a top five safety prospect in this class, but what you're talking about with Kyle Hamilton is a different type of breed Malik Hooker athletically is not something that you can just emulate because people say you're going to play the same position right like you you have to fit that spot and after seeing Xavier a couple times I have no doubt he can play at the next level very quickly I think he's going to be a superstar but I, I laugh at those sort of conversations because like you you can tell kids oh you're going to be the next Chase Young but like Chase Young's pretty hard to be like you know what I mean and so I, I do need to back up because I, I, I made this clarification in the message boards is it, he didn't he didn't word for word say they want me to be the next Kyle Hamilton. He wants Freeman's idea is we he wants me to do what Kyle Hamilton does, which, though, like we're saying, that's kind yeah. of I mean, that's kind of the same thing, kind of same vision and idea without saying it word for word. But, yeah, it's funny. We joke about the, the next Chase Young or the next Joey Bosa. Um, because you sell high on that vision, honestly, yeah. like you, you, you become a Heisman finalist or whatever. And um, it, it's easy to do the name brand recognition type of stuff with those kind of guys. Andrew, I have, a, I have a thought. Do you think that this class, this class of 22, and, and I'm, I'm just willing to call it out here. I'm, there's a lot of kids in this class that are very confusing to, to follow because I think most people believe 
had Xavier Wampa made a college decision four months ago, he would have been committed to Ohio State in June, right? Do you think that there is any sort of gamesmanship happening here where there's purposeful misinformation slash disinformation being put out there? Uh, the idea that Iowa sites are propagating that Ohio State may not be in the top three seems so removed from reality to me that I wonder if it's being done intentionally. Yes, I think there is. I mean, these guys see what's being said. They see the future cast, the crystal ball picks. They see all of that stuff. Now, I don't, I don't know how much of them, how many of them are like going out of their way to kind of, you know, get people off their trail. But I, I do think there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on with several of Ohio State's top targets right now. Yeah, I, I have to think there is. Because again, I don't know how, and Zach, I mean, again, you were there talking to him last week. How could anyone get the idea that Ohio State is struggling to stay in the conversation here? I mean, that doesn't really even, that doesn't really make sense to me because it's pretty clear. I mean, he's been to, he's been to campus. I mean, the relation, we, we talked about this so many times, the, the relationships he has with guys like Cian, or CJ Hicks and Kion Grays and, um, and Jair Brown too. I mean, we were out, me and Berm were out at the opening and seeing those three, CJ, uh, Kion and, and Xavier, just, I mean, <laughs> Berm has like a photo album cover. Yeah, they're like, inseparable. It's like, to, it's almost like a picture of little kids walking to the fishing hole. You know what I mean? Like little kids. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. The, the, the entire idea. It's like the sandlot. Remind you of stand by me for the sandlot. Yeah, the entire, the entire idea is kind of crazy to me. And I think with a player like that, we're just in a position where you have to wonder uh, if there's some sort of gamesmanship happening. And uh, another player that Ohio State, you know, we're talking about big visits coming up, uh, but a guy that I don't think is playing any games is Caden Curry, who is, you know, talking about making his official visit to Bama. It might be this weekend. It may be a month from now. But, like, this is a kid who, Andrew, just seems totally fine with his recruitment taking as long as it takes for him to visit the places he wants to visit and to, to feel good about a decision. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. He does not seem like a uh, game player at all. I think he's just handling the process in a meticulous manner. And when we said it before, his baseball schedule kind of prevented him from getting out and taking some of those visits. Now he's got the opportunity to do that. So I mean, why not do that? So again, Zach, because you've been on the road a little bit more recently, uh, as I'm covering the team on the weekends, I'm not seeing these kids as much as you are in person. With the Alabama official visit happening soon, whether it's this weekend or a month from now, do you feel like the Tide are as serious a threat to Ohio State as Indiana is? Well, like you said, if he visits, then absolutely they are. Um, he took an unofficial visit to Alabama this summer, but um, he's still he's really close to locking in his, his Alabama official visit for either a game in, in October, or early November. Um, and like I said, yeah, he got there, but it is, it's very important to, to work your way back around because the only other two schools in his top five that he's taking official visits to are Ohio State and Indiana. And I'm not really confident that he gets, that he gets down to Clemson or that he, that he winds up getting the Oregon and he's still working those things out. But I do think, I mean, Alabama's a legit option. He has good relationships down there and um, they want him to fill the same role at, that Ohio State does, which 
when you combat those two things, um, Indiana wants him for this bowl position where he'd be used all over, sort of a pass rushing defensive end, linebacker. It would be Emma versus Ohio State with the way they want to use him. Um, similar uh, development pass to get into the NFL. Um, it, it's, I, think it, I think Ohio State would have the upper hand there just because the, the relationship he has with Larry Johnson is, is, um, has been – uh, longer, long, more long standing. However, I phrase that it's been he's had a better relationship for longer uh, with Larry Johnson than I think he has with the the Alabama staff. Um, and Caden, like he, like you were saying, he's like one of those no BS kind of kids. He's very extremely level headed. We talk about Xavier Wampa being level headed, and Caden Curry might be might be even twice that. He's just he's very nonchalant with his recruitment because he doesn't really care about the attention. Like I know a lot of kids say that, but he's like getting to know him over the last like year and a half. It's very um, it's very much accurate, but uh, I know he's he's supposed to be back for another unofficial visit to Ohio State for the Penn State game, and if he makes that. Just the fact that that's planned, I think, says a lot about how where the Buckeyes stand. The fact that he's going to be um, that that he's supposed to be getting over here for a second time in um, in a month and a half because he was here for the Oregon game on his official visit. So I I love where the Buckeyes stand right now. I don't know. Uh, Andrew, with with uh, with with where those three teams are stacking up right now, um, I'm sure you're feeling a little bit more of the same, right? Yeah, I mean, but like you said, if he if he gets down to Tuscaloosa, you know, all bets are off because we know we've seen those recruitments change immediately as soon as they step foot on Alabama's campus. But I think there's reason for optimism still for for Ohio State and Caden Curry. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that. Like Xavier Wampa, I think this is probably actually a three-team race. I know that Clemson and Oregon are included in the top five with Graydon Curry. I just don't buy either of them as a viable uh, contender in that recruitment right now. And I also, and, and Zach knows him better than I do, but I, I, the sense I've gotten from Caden and from his family and the minimal amount of time I've talked to them is that going as far away as Tuscaloosa just doesn't seem like something that is likely in my mind. I know it's Alabama has that sort of cachet where they can overcome that in a way that a lot of other schools can't similarly to Ohio state for kids from California or Arizona or Texas or whatever. Um, but I, I think if you look at it and, and if the goal is, and the, the biggest priority is to get to the NFL, the Ohio state defensive line production and development is diff is better in Alabama's. And I know that's going to sound crazy to some people, but if you look at the kids from Bama who are getting into the NFL, you're talking about kids who are just physical marvels, you know, the, the six foot four, 400 pound guys who run a three one or something. And like, they're going to get to the NFL, no matter what, when you're talking about a combination three tech, six, three, six, four, 240, 260 pound guy, that's Larry Johnson. That's where Larry Johnson makes his money. And it's taking a guy like that, refining the talents that he already has. And again, no one uh, in the country is probably as high on Caden Curry as a prospect as I am. I think he's a top 20 player in the country. I don't think there's any doubt about it in my mind that as I've said here and everywhere else, he would be a top 20 five-star prospect if he was in Florida or, or Texas or California. Um, and I, I think that Larry Johnson's ability to get the most out of guys like him, not necessarily, again, I know Alabama makes first round players at every position. But what Larry Johnson can get out of guys like him is different. Am I wrong? 
I, and along with that, yes, I, I agree. He's probably a top 30 player. And uh, like you said, top 20, but he still needs, uh, he needs a coach like Larry Johnson to, to take him where he wants to go um, and, and be a three and out or four year player, however many years it is. I mean, with the way, with the way that he's going to be used as sort of that pass rushing three technique, um, it may be used on a defensive end. I think the tools that Larry Johnson would give him are, probably better than any other that you're, you're going to see in the country. And they also have, we all, we talk about this with a lot of guys where um, the guys, Larry Johnson recruits a lot of times are very similar in personality as far as being laid back and um, not over the top. And that's obviously other than being other than when he's on the field, that's how Caden Curry is. I mean, and then we, we talk about the motor. I think we've talked about, we've said the word motor like 25 times when talking about Caden Curry, but that's like the number one, it's like the number one trait you can't teach and like probably the number one or two uh, trait that, that Larry Johnson loves in his defensive lineman. And Caden Curry has the probably the best, one of the best motors in the country in that, in that class. I'm always, I'm always looking for labels. And to me, he's a flip switcher. You know what I mean? Like he's that dude who's like totally laid back and relaxed off the field. And then, oh, oh boy, it's different when he, gets on, when he gets on the field. Right. Exactly. That sort of mentality. And that's the type of guy that generally speaking has been very, uh, common at Ohio State in the last few years. I think it is Ohio State and Indiana, and I think that it doesn't hurt Ohio State that Indiana's program does not look to be quite as on the ascent uh, as they did a year ago, because right now, if you've watched any of the Hoosiers games, you realize that maybe last year was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but that's not neither here nor there. Speaking of guys who are flip switchers, love that label. I'm just going to – I think I'm going to get that tattooed upon me, uh, tattooed. Um, Kojo and Andre. Back, it looks like you were you're talking yeah. about a lower back tattoo, huh? Yeah. All right. I, I was flipping my own switch back there. Um, Kojo, Kojo Anthony, guys. I mean, he visited Georgia. It was a under the radar visit, which meant I don't want anyone to find out about this. Andrew, why would a player not want recruiting websites to know he was making a visit to a place like Georgia? Well, either that player just does not like the spotlight whatsoever. Jack, yeah, that's Kojo Antwi, right? Yes. Or I guess if you're looking at it from the other side, maybe he's doing it under the radar because there's a little bit more going on to that recruitment. I think, you know, it could be one of two things. But in general, he's seemed like one of those kids that, like you said, is not wanting to be in the spotlight. Um, and I know you got you spoke to him and he said he's got some. I think his girlfriend's a Georgia fan and he's got some teammates that are Georgia fans, which makes sense considering where he plays his high school football. Um, but I mean, did the Ohio state staff know that's there's always sort all sorts of questions you got to answer when it comes down to this. But I think just in general, he, he loves Brian Hartline. And if you're an Ohio state fan, you got to hope that relationship kind of wins out in the end. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, the Ohio state staff did not know that he was making that trip to Georgia, but in general, that would be a really bad thing. And in this case, and maybe I'm seeing it through scarlet colored glasses or making excuses, but Kojo Antwi from the start has been a kid that did not and has not really understood the traditional recruiting world and the way that things are perceived, the way that things get twisted, the way that words get manipulated. And he found that out back in, in March whenever he told someone that he thought he was, you know, narrowing his schools and that person somebody said Ohio State was out and then immediately he texted me like no they're not they're not they're not out and now he's obviously committed to Ohio State so clearly they weren't out but Zach with four wide receivers committed and a class that is looking like it might only be 22 or 23 guys 
it is the position Ohio State could afford, and I don't like to even throw that out into the universe because I don't want it to seem like I'm suggesting it could happen because I'm not. But isn't that the spot where the Buckeyes and Buckeyes fans should be like, well, okay, go ahead if you want to, but they don't want him to. He doesn't want to, but isn't that the spot? Well, yeah, because they just completely loaded up in the class or at that position, the 2020 cycle in 2021. And that's uh, the, their loaded receiver room is something that uh, Brian Hartline, Ryan Day, they've had to combat with pretty much every single school that they recruit against um, for, for a receiver. I mean, every other program is saying, look at Ohio State's receiver depth. And um, it, the 2022 class, it might be, it's, I, I, it might be well-founded that that's a negative recruiting pitch. When you look at the 23 class and beyond, I think that's a little misguided because most of those guys will be gone, but um, you're, I mean, you're right. You have, uh, you have um, Jackson Smith and Jibba, Julian Fleming, you have Caleb Burton and Kyan Grays, who we, I think we're in agreement that he's probably the most underrated receiver in the, in the country. And then you have Caleb Brown. Um, and like we talked about before, you're recruiting guys who all sort of fit that same mold physically with what they can do. Um, so if you were going to lose one of those guys, yeah, that, that's probably the position where you can afford a little bit um, of attrition. But I, Kojo's also really good, so we yeah. we don't want to like we don't want to downplay downplay his talent level if if that actually were to happen in the uh, down the road. I think this is just where recruiting is so fascinating to me, and one of the reasons I love covering it because the the concept or the the idea that's out there is that Ohio State is so stacked at wide receiver, right? And the 2020 wide receiver class will be used against Brian and Hartline and Ryan Day on the recruiting trail from now until 2023, right? But if you look at that class in hindsight, Julian Fleming is a five-star number one ranked player. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Has struggled to get on the field and has struggled with injuries. Jackson Smith and Jigbot clearly is, is, a, is a viable contributor and a potential number one pick as an early departure next year. Mookie Cooper is gone and out of the program. And G. Scott is playing tight end. Then you look at the 2021 class and you look at Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison. It's very likely to me those two are each three and done players. Uh, and so they're gone by the end of the 23 year. Like all of a sudden, it's so easy to, to point to a program and say, well, this, this team's loaded here. What are you doing? But then it's so easy for Ohio State to look back and say, hey, this is not true because we can show you exactly what's going to happen here because they have proof in the pudding. You look at a place like Georgia recruiting Kojo Antwi, and he said as much with Jake Roos from uh, On3 Sports that they've really been picking it up in the last few weeks. But Georgia's trying to sell them on this hope that, hey, this is what our offense is going to be now in the future because we're, we're trying to throw the ball more with JT Daniels. But Georgia's offense has been a very run-heavy offense for the last decade so they're selling hope in Ohio State selling proof but Georgia's trying to point to Ohio State's proof as a reason that their hope is better that doesn't make any sense but isn't this what college football recruiting is about nonsense yeah I, I feel like that's something that 
Brian Hartline could easily combat. You know, if, if, they're, if they're playing that numbers thing, he can sit down and show them the years and show them, you know, these are, guys, these are the guys that are going to be gone by the time you get here. And I feel like that shouldn't be that big of a hurdle. And like, like I was saying, uh, it, it's probably a misguided. I think in the 2022 class, I, I know uh, Bermuda's made, made the argument, but I still think in the 2022 class when you're recruiting those type of guys, you probably could make a, a, a relatively sound pitch if you're another program recruiting against them against the receiver death. But once you, like I was saying, once you look at the 23 class and beyond or 23 year and beyond, I think that, that um, negative recruiting pitch becomes a little bit misguided. And either way, I'm not really going to be the one to, to um, count out Brian Hartline and really any given recruitment, even if it's not a receiver, because we've seen him be used in the Ja'Kalen Johnson recruitment. That's the first one that comes to mind. But um, he's the guy that opened the door for JT to Maloa in, in Seattle as well. So, I mean, obviously Hartline knows what he's doing. And I mean, that's the point, Zach, right? I mean, the, the guy has proven it over and over. And if people are worried about it, they probably shouldn't be. Yeah, he's, I mean, essentially, yes, um, which is why I think when we, I don't know if we want to get into the Carnell Tate, uh, Carnell Tate recruitment. I know he uh, he's set for a Notre Dame visit this weekend. I think he's going to be coming back, getting back to Ohio State at some point for a game um, potentially this month. But it's along those same arguments because we've or we've had that debate before of um, and they're going to be if you recruit like it's a good problem to have and. If you're Ohio State, you can't really complain when some uh, when other schools are making those negative pitches because you, if you're going to bring in that much talent, that's sort of one of the quote unquote downfalls is they're going to try to use that against you. Andrew, isn't that like the wildest recruiting pitch though? Like you're not good enough to play there, so come to our school. Yeah, I've never understood it. I mean, I know it happens everywhere, but it's just when you look at it, it's it's a very weird it's a very weird pitch. I've always felt that. Exactly the same pitch that Emeka Buka they tried to get him on, and then he said, "I want that. Like I want there to be other bunch of other five stars." Uh, speaking of other five stars, CJ Hicks is one of just two linebackers committed for Ohio State in the class of 2022. The other is Gabe Powers, who, as I look at it and I watch Gabe's film. I'm still not entirely sold. He's a pure linebacker and he could end up playing with his hand in the ground and as long he gets bigger and he's six foot four, almost 245, 250 pounds now. With Dallas Gantt, Kayvon Pope leaving the program in the last week, even though they're both seniors, they both did have an extra year of eligibility ahead of them if they wanted it because of the super senior designation. And I think both of them are intending to take it. That's why they're leaving and transferring to get an opportunity to play somewhere else next year. Uh, does Ohio State need another 2022 linebacker? I wrote about it on Monday or Tuesday. What day is it? I don't know. I wrote about it this week on Letterman Row. But my my stance is that right now they don't because of reasons. But I, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts. Andrew, first. I mean, I, I don't know why it took this Dallas Gantt and Kayvon Pope situations for me to kind of reassess this. Since, like you said, they're both, you know, seniors and their, their status isn't really going to impact these guys all that much. But I, I just kind of looked at it again, and I feel like they probably should try to add another 2022 linebacker. But I just don't know who that guy might be. You know, do you go back and look at, like, Jalen Walker that's, you know, already off the board with Georgia? or do you? Well, you certainly him? look at him, but that would yeah. not be worth your time. Right. I mean, or do you, is there somebody who's kind of blowing up or blowing up during their senior season? I don't know. But I do feel like they could – 
afford to add another body to the class because I don't know where Gabe Powers is going to play either. So I'm leaning yes. They could definitely afford to add him, but it's also add another linebacker. But I mean, it's also sort of the same argument we a debate we have with quarterback recruiting, right? Where like, it, do you have an Ohio State quality player at that position that could that you could realistically add, and not just add a, add a body, just add a body. Um, yeah, we'll especially power. because Zach, because the transfer portal's there. So if you want a one year rental, it's way easier to do that. That and um, looking to the twenty three class, that they, they're able then to to. I mean, there's a um, group of uh, five star, borderline five star talents. I mean, Sonny Styles, obviously, um, that hybrid linebacker, safety, defensive end, all world unicorn or whatever. Uh, you got Troy Bulls and uh, Tamir Robinson as a couple other top targets. So it makes that pitch a little bit easier, I, uh, I guess. Um, if you don't, if you only have that two linebacker class in 2022, and one of them you don't know for certain if he's going to be a linebacker. I mean, with, with Gabe Powers, that's always been on the table. Um, the, the pitch from, I mean, the, the vision from Al Washington and Ryan Day and the, and the staff is for him to play outside linebacker. Um, but also with the Sam linebacker kind of going, going shifting towards that, that bullet uh, position, maybe um, they, they retool plans. But yeah, it, but he's always been open to the idea. If my body naturally goes that way, I would be at least willing to, to consider a switch defensive end. So. Yeah, when I've seen Gabe the last couple of times, I can't help but notice that his body is going that way. Yeah, uh, he's, it, he gets bigger, he gets bigger and stronger like every month. Yeah. Or two months. And that's not a bad thing, obviously. The, the idea here for Ohio State, as we talked about before, is to recruit the biggest, fastest guys you can and then let them play wherever feels best. But I totally agree, Zach. I think that the pitch gets easier. And this is one of the reasons why when Desan McCullough flipped to Indiana, I thought it was. I, you never want to lose anybody, but it was clear Ohio State wanted three linebackers in this class mm -hmm. initially. But when when he decommitted and, and flipped, and then the Buckeyes were able to add Paulie Neoteote on the on the uh, transfer portal, it made it so that you're like, okay, you get Neoteote for next year because he will be back for his. So it's like that one year rental that we're talking about, and it kind of fits that opportunity to say, Sonny, Troy, Tamir, like, look, guys, this is your room now you come in and and by the time they get there cody Simon will be on, out the door tommy eichenberg will be walking up like there's an opening there for that and i think you have to sell that am i wrong no that that makes sense and honestly yes. like you said, the, the, we've the changed transfer, his mind the, the the i do think they might need another body but the transfer portal might be the route that they end up going so i i tend to agree now that you so eloquently put it I kind of feel like Burma only asks us, am I wrong? So that we can confirm that he's, that he's right on, on all the things that he's, he's asking us. Okay. First and foremost, the only thing that matters around here is my ego. Okay. As long as that is, as long as that is satisfied, the rest of the world can keep on spinning. You know, you're, you're literally reminding me, one of my buddies asked me the other day, he's like, we're in the same fantasy league, fantasy football league together. He's like, Hey man, who do you think has the best roster? Who do you think is going to win the championship? I like I said, me and someone else are two best. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you don't think I'm going to win it? It's like he he only asked me what I thought, so that I would ho like hoping that I would say, I think you're going to win it, dude. Like, yeah, objectively. Andrew That's and I are in the same. Fan we're we're in a, a shared fantasy league, and my team's name is the worst fantasy team in the world. And somehow I'm two and one, and I, I drafted three quarterbacks. I drafted a uh, Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. So uh, it's gone pretty well. 
to this juncture. Uh, mine, mine did not go well. I went on a first date while I was having a fantasy draft, and I, was, I accidentally drafted two kickers, and I got projected to finish last in the league. So that's I, that, I think that that Lee that that team might already be. Uh, in well, the did you guys getting you guys get engaged yet? <laughs> yeah, the first date. Like, hey, excuse <laughs> me, I, I know. Okay, so you're from Pickerington, huh? All right. Talking stuff. We're, now we're, 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 we're going off the rails. That means it's time to go. Uh, guys, we can talk about engagements later. That's Zach Carpenter, Andrew Ellis. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff presented by Buyers Auto on Letterman Row. Head over to lettermanrow.com for all your Buckeyes news, recruiting info, and more. And please uh, consider giving us a subscription look at on3.com. We're excited to be part of that and uh, growing with the company. So thanks for watching. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-420-47 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.